Eden told me I should have started walking sooner. <laughs> um, I love the Lord. Just like praise the Lord for Eden Anabwile and her testimony and like pairing us together because I want to talk about spiritual growth too and like the life. And I agree that these are not the best four years ever. And yet these are important years. And I want to get that across. And I want to tell you kind of about uh, my story at Covenant. Andrew Peterson has this amazing quote. It's actually a C.S. Lewis quote in his book, Adorning the Dark. Um, it's so beautiful about the individuality of the person and the love of Christ for them. So this is what it says. As the fir tree, like a pine tree, lifts itself with a far different need from the palm tree, so does each man stand before God and lift up a different humanity to the common father. And for each God, for each, God has a different response. With every man, he has a secret, the secret of the new name. And in every man, there's a loneliness, an inner chamber of a peculiar life into which God only can enter, a chamber into which no brother, nay, no, no sister can come. So it's this idea of like in each person, there's a, a very specific hole that only God can fill. And yet he flips it. It's so cool. Listen to this. For this, it follows that there's a chamber also, a chamber in God himself into which none can enter but the one, the individual, the peculiar man, out of which chamber that man has to bring revelation and strength for his brethren. That is that for which he was made, to reveal the secret things of the Father. Kind of like in the same way that God, being so multifaceted and making each of us in his image, has made us each to understand him uniquely and bring that testimony to others. So Andrew Peterson wraps it up saying, because he holds a special place for me um, and me alone, just as he holds a special place for you, my story stands a chance to be edifying to my brothers and sisters. Just as your story, your insight, and your revelation of God's heart is something the rest of us need. So, this is my story. Um, I came to Covenant not knowing any idea what it was. Um, Non-denominational background, Tucson, Arizona. Um, Covenant, Presbyterianism, Reformed theology was a big culture shock to me. Um, Even though, actually, this is the place where my dad grew up, and my grandpa was a professor here. Um, so when I came my freshman year, they uh, packed up the van and they drove me around Chattanooga, like pointing out all these different spots and like all the stories. Um, and yet over the past four years, this place has taken on a very different new meaning for me. Um, and covenant was an answer to prayer for me. Um, I think but the Lord blessed my family in many ways. Uh, and I come from a long line of educators. So money was not one of them. Um, and somehow I got here. Uh, praise the Lord. So thank you to those who made that happen. Um, but also kind of an answer to a silent prayer as well. I felt really lost with Jesus when I got here and have periodically while I've been here, um, but very confused about who he was, um, having snips and pieces, but never any cohesive understanding and never real understanding of what it means to actually follow him and really like live like a costly life. So um, my covenant college story has been one of learning who God is um, and what it actually means to follow him. So um, my freshman year and sophomore year uh, was meant, like, spent doing most of what everyone does, like meeting new friends, adjusting to college academic rigor, like weighing the costs and benefits of skipping PE in the morning. Um, and I spent a lot of trying time actually trying to wrap my mind around this reform thing. It was a very new, um, coming from a non-denominational background. Uh, and my understanding of God was not bad, but had some holes in it and lack of cohesion. And I know a lot of my, like, PCA born and bred friends, like, find, like, like the structure, like, in, like, the tradition and, the, like, the liturgy and the doctrine really restricting. But, like, in all honesty, like, I got here, and I felt like I got keys to the family car. I was like, this is so cool. Um, 
like teaching doctrine too with Capic and just understanding that Jesus like chose me. Like I didn't come to him arbitrarily or by happenstance, but like before the foundations of the earth were made, like he predestined he'd be united to me. And like a union with Christ, like I'd never heard of that. Like not only he chose me, but like united himself like to me and me to himself. That even if I don't commune with him, that he never lets go of me and like abides in me and gives me strength to follow him. Like these were like foundational shifts. Or even like my local church, Chattanooga Valley, has been so good to me. And the idea like the, the walk with Christ is a communal one, that like worshiping together is a communal activity, not just like this individualistic thing. Like these were fundamental shifts. And I think freshman year and sophomore year, there's a lot of like intellectual change that had to happen. But if there was a ch- like a turning point um, in the heart, it would be my junior year. Um, through just a series of really unfortunate um, circumstances and kind of relational fractures, um, there was a lot of things that broke down and a lot of realizations I had um, about know, my expectations, my misplaced affections. Um, and it's hard to like actually describe like how much my world was just turned upside down. Um, I'd been putting stock in so many things that uh, I thought would help me and I thought would like give me something back. Um, and yeah, it was just it was just a very confusing time. Um, I felt so fractured and broken and paralyzed, so afraid and confused. Um, and like I'm not an anxious person. Uh, at least I don't think so. My my wife might disagree, um, but. I remember that, like, that time, and I've never really had that much trouble with sleep, but, like, I would go to bed and then just stay up for, like, an hour and a half, just, like, thinking in my mind, just going, just trying to solve it and understand what was going on, only to, like, sleep for a couple hours and then wake up at, like, 3 or 4 a.m. and, like, repeat the process until sunrise. Like, that's never happened to me before or since, and I, like, heart out to those with, like, insomnia or, like, have, like, to do that often. Um, but I think it was just so disorienting. Um, and although I, there were so many questions I didn't have answers to, um, I think the Lord, through so many conversations uh, with my um, people and prayer and um, books, that the Lord revealed to me um, kind of what a lot, not the center of it, but near the, like, actually near the center of it, um, was that it revealed to me a level of brokenness that I hadn't seen before. And I think we talk about sin, like how like, totally depraved we are and how it touches everything. But I think it's a whole different experience, or it was for me, of like actually like looking at it, like seeing and like touching and holding what sin actually is. Um, and I think the Lord showed me like my tendencies to like extend grace and kindness to like one set of people, uh, but to really ignore a whole other set of people that were act that God was actually calling me to and placing close to me, um, or like my bitter resentment towards another set of people who had not because they did anything, but because they reminded me of someone who like hurt me in the past. Or, like, my desperate need and desire for, like, affection or attention or admiration that drove me to actually use people for my sake instead of actually love them for their sake. Um, I think these are very human sins. I just, I didn't realize them before. Um, So why do I tell you this? Um, One of my friends described the Christian life as a series of, like, false bottoms. And I love that image because it just thinks as, like, Maybe when we just, like, when we feel like we've hit rock bottom with our circumstances, or, like, surely I'm only just this sinful, and then all of a sudden, like, the floor gives way. And it's like the Tower of Terror, if you've ever been on it. I always, like, I'm, like, I'm scared easily, so, like, those things really get me. Um, Like, surely I could not be that bad or, like, that sinful. And yet I think that Jesus does this for a reason, that, like, 
in his time, he reveals these things to us. Not all at once. There's still so much I'm blind to, but he revealed that to us and to me um, so that we'd actually fall through another false bottom. And that's the false bottom of his heart. Like Jesus isn't, and God isn't like this, like as Catholic likes to say, this mad scientist who likes to experiment on us, like make us suffer. He is like a father who grieves over us and like tears like at our pain. And if Jesus uh, did not care for me or you, he would never have gone to the cross and he certainly would, have, would never have been incarnate. Yet he did that so that when the world flips upside down and when another false bottom gives way, we also fall to the false bottom of his heart. Like I think so many of us are disenchanted by the heart of Jesus is because we wade in the shallows of it. But like in these circumstances or we engage with him, I think we realize that like his heart is also a false bottom. There's so much to it. There's so much depth to it. And his affection for us runs so much deeper and his grace runs to us so much longer than we initially thought. So um, for me, um, as you can imagine, a lot of these like relational fractures and kind of um, all of that kind of put a damper on my social life my junior year. Um, So... I kid you not, and God has goodness, like, I spent a lot of my evenings kind of, like, on my futon, like, my stained futon, um, reading, like, against my, like, brown husband pillow, um, and there I was exposed to the works of, like, Henry Nowen, uh, thank you, Brett Borland, so much, um, and Brennan Manning, and Richard Foster, um, which completely transformed my vision of Jesus. Um, I spent, um, because, I mean, in the midst of that circumstances, I think we've all been in these places. I think I just felt so broken. Like, I felt like I do in the kitchen. Like, on Sunday, bless my wife. Like, I broke a glass and a mug in the same day, like, within 15 minutes. And I think that's how my sin felt. Like, I was like, everything I touched was just, like, breaking. Um, and I felt so broken and faint. And I was just, like, hopeless and, like, weeping. And I think it was for the first time that, like, Jesus, like, showed up. And it's not, I know it sounds mystic, and it's not like I could see him or touch him, but, like, for the first time, his, like, pleasure just, like, would wash over me. That he loved me as I was, not as how I wanted to be. He saved me not because he, like, he was going to transform, and he is going to transform me, but he saved me as I am. Um, and obviously, this, like, feeling, this did, just came, would, would come and go, because our feelings weighed, but, like, the weeks were different. Sometimes I would read and pray and felt nothing so much so that I just actually kept rereading Ecclesiastes because it was like the only relatable part of scripture. Anyone else been there? Um, but I think it was the first season that I felt not like just a creation, but like a son. That he loved me as his own child. Um, but I kept pressing in, um, not because I, I, I really am that like, smart or like actually see Jesus that much. It's because I was just so desperate. Uh, I felt like I actually understood what Peter said to Jesus when Jesus talked about like, drink my blood, eat my flesh. And the disciples just, like, leave. And he only asks a couple, he's like, so will you leave as well? And Peter says to him, like, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, you have the words of eternal life. And I think for the first time, I experientially felt that. I was like, God, I don't, ha- like, I don't think you understand Jesus. Like, I don't have anything else lined up. I don't have anywhere else to go. And no, I don't understand why this happened. No, I don't understand why some know you and some don't. But, like, I need you and I think that Jesus is seeking desperate people. Um, honestly, in, like, in the scriptures, it's all the people with excuses that he doesn't have time for. He's like on a mission. Like, he's hauling across Israel. He's like, foxes have net dens, birds have nests. Like, I'm going. He's like, let the dead bury their own dead. Or, like, you know, but like, it's the people that like, it's the, the, the desperate people he prioritizes. Like, he's walking. He's like, wait, who touched me? And it's the bleeding woman. He stops and the, on his mission to somewhere. 
Or like, son of David, have mercy. He's like, who's that? And he stops. Or like, and I think we have to posture ourselves after people who are desperate. And like, I think the Christian life is so much of not seeking to put more effort, although it involves effort, but actually realizing our desperation. Like to model ourselves after the lame man at the pool of Bethesda and just laying by the pool, just maybe waiting that he might pass by and heal us. Like that is the Christian life. Not increasing effort, but realizing your desperation. I mean, I think this gets in um, kind of the spiritual disciplines. Like I always thought they were about effort, but I realized it's like, I love that Christy Gambrell called them channels of grace because that's really what they are. Like my relationship with Jesus is not like striving towards him, but just like having open hands and begging him to come like a deer panting for water. And I think it's funny because like only desperate people would actually obey what Jesus commands us to do. Like, I don't know if you've read, like, Sermon on the Mount or the Epistles. He asks us to do crazy things, like love our enemies, or, like, pray for those who persecute us, like, honor every single person, like, submit to authorities. Like, these are challenging things, but, like, I think the more, like, a Christian who's desperate enough to follow Jesus would actually obey them. And I think so much of my own disobedience stems from a lack of desperation and realizing that he is the one with eternal life. Um... The reassuring thing is that, like, I'm not the only desperate one. Um, and by that, I mean that, like, Jesus also has, like, a desperation. Like, he desperately wants to know us as well. Um, the very thing that I need is the very thing that he wants to provide himself. Um, Brendan Manning, I just highly recommend it. Abba's Child, or also Ragamuffin Gospel. Just great books if you just need to understand the heart of Jesus. But two quotes from there. He says that the sorrow of God lies in our fear of him, our fear of life, and our fear of ourselves. He anguishes over our self-absorption and our self-sufficiency. God's sorrow lies not, it, our God's sorrow lies in our refusal to approach him when we have sinned and failed. And this is just so good. But we cannot assume that he feels about us the way we feel about ourselves unless we love ourselves compassionately and intensely and freely, like in human form. Jesus revealed to us what God is like. He exposed our projections for the idolatry they are and gave us the way to become free of them. It takes a profound conversion to accept that God is relentlessly tender and compassionate toward us, not in spite of our sins, because that would not be total acceptance, but with them. Though God does not condone or sanction evil, he does not withhold his love because there is evil in us. Again, the thing that we most desired, the thing that I most needed, was the exact thing he wanted to provide in himself. And it's only um, after like all, the, all these things that I had arranged my life around, all of it fell to pieces. Um, and I get this image from a pastor named Andrew Art in Denver, and I just think it's beautiful, and I want to share it with you. Only after I had like these, all my pieces of my life had kind of shattered to pieces that I realized that Jesus wanted it to be that way. He's like, no, 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 like, no, you've arranged it all wrong. Like, give me those, give me those. And he takes them, he's like, the image of God, there you are. And I felt found. So for those who know me now, um, you know that this year has been much better. Um, I got married, um, which was exciting. Um, my Lord has been extremely good to me um, and I think prepared me uh, for this by walking through that season of, of knowing him first. Um, and I think a lot of this year has been just relearning how to dwell into my identity as like the beloved of Christ, as a beloved son, and how to let that extend to others. And for those who really know me, know how bad I am, I am at that. Um, 
so it's easy to talk about these things. Uh, to live them out is significantly harder. Um, and I soon I know there's like still so much sin in my blind spots. Um, but my prayer for myself and for my wife and for you guys is that you would sense the level of your desperation, that the things that we put our stock in in other people and our communities um, and our academics and our work ethic and our like humor, um, that those are not bad things, but they will give way. But Jesus is a solid rock we get to stand on. Um, in close, another thing I'm realizing this senior year um, is the different that college. It's been such a beautiful time, and I think it's so. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. It's made me reflect on these past four years in such an intentional way. Um, that has been encouraging to see, like that Jesus did not has not abandoned me, but has continued to stay with me. And yet, I realize that like the excitement of college and growth in it is that we kind of see the excitement of a, a potential, like. We, like the, our professor is naming us these things that could be in the future. Um, and I thought that I'd grow a ton. Like, uh, by the end of college, I'd be like this ripe apple, you know, like a pink lady or something. Uh, but I think the joy of college is that at the end of it, we have like blooming virtues, like the budding beginnings of something beautiful. But I think as my horizon has changed as I'm graduating, um, I realize what I want is like ripening virtues. Like, I don't want to be like a tiny green grape, although I am right now. But like, after years of experience, and faithfulness, fruit that lasts through seasons that's not just seasonal. Like, I want to be like a nice bottle of, like, Merlot, you know? And I look at people like Grant Lowe, who is just so gentle and sincere and so comfortably broken and just preaches the word of God and who listens and just patiently advises anxious, forgetful students like me. Or like Stephanie Fermenti, who is just so filled with the Lord's discernment and, like, love of truth and desire for the world to be right and good. Um, And like Dr. Rush, um, who was born so admirably, with patience and endurance, living just the cruciform life as a husband and a father and a professor. Um, That's the kind of life I want, um, and I trust Jesus that will continually drop us through false bottoms of my own sin and of himself to get me there and get us all there. So, thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to speak to you, and thank you for the donors at Covenant College for making my education possible. Thank you, professors, and all those unnamed who have trained me in this and kind of set me off. Um, and, I, and I bless you, uh, Covenant College, and bless you, senior class. Um, may this, be, this season be one of an Ebenezer of God's faithfulness, um, and I hope you go forth um, and serve in the church and give back what he's given you. So with that, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, uh, thank you that you call us beloved, that you're not a distant Lord, but you're close that you became incarnate and you are Emmanuel, that you call us beloved. Lord, we need you desperately. God, please make us more aware of our desperation. God, as things are hard on campus uh, for a lot of students, God, would you meet them in circumstances and they're amidst their own brokenness? Um, would they, they know your love for them? Um, God, thank you. In your name, amen.